Think of the children. Like the guy says, you're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crap thunder. A pig fool. It's fun. If he dies, he dies. Oh, oh, somebody please think of the children. I just want to say one thing to my wife was home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to <laughs> another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye. Our prediction for this episode, pain. As we talk about the third movie in the Rocky franchise, Rocky III, uh, the, uh, the breakthrough performance from Mr. T is Clubber Lang. And uh, with us again, thankfully, for... Uh, this franchise, our uh, our returning guest, Roy Fillmore. Welcome. Hey, Andy. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. And uh, looking forward to this one. I, I kind of think, I feel like this is one of the forgotten Rocky movies. Like, it's not so bad that people talk about it a lot. And it's not, like, critically acclaimed one either. But it, So it's kind of forgotten. But this one is a, this is a fun I, movie. So. I actually think people think... This is Rocky. Like, I think that there's a lot of things that, like, people have Mandela affected, thinking that, like, <laughs> oh, well, Eye of the Tiger and Rocky and Creed running on the beach. That's, that's <laughs> like, in the first Rocky movie, right? Like, isn't that? I think you're right. I think, like, people have, <laughs> yeah, uh, agreeing with me because uh, she is incredibly intelligent. welcome back that that, like it the words were those of a compliment but yet you notice how i also it's a compliment myself though and i don't know (laughs) i'm complimenting you but i'm complimenting myself too i'm I'm it's interesting though because i've i've talked to a few people about the fact that we're doing the rockies these are all people that like some of whom were in your grade at school and they were just like Wait, which one is one and two? Because I'm like, two is my favorite. They're like, yep. is that the one with Mr. T? And I'm like, no, yep. it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> They're like, oh, is that is Mr. T number one? And I'm like, no. Mr. T oh. is the one that we sleep through because it's number three and you're tired and you fall asleep with popcorn in your mouth and then you wake up and you watch the Russian. Yeah. You don't have to sleep very long. This is a fairly yeah. short yeah. film, which I think there's kind of a shift uh, at this point in the Rocky movies where we've gone from a focus on drama to a focus on more, more action, I guess, right. Mm-hmm. Both Rocky three and Rocky four are closer to 90 minutes. And I think one and two, one goes over two hours and I think two is yeah. at least close. And I think I, in, um, a, in the same way that James Bond at this point comes out with Goldfinger and it becomes the sort of template movie for oh, like, Oh yeah, that's what, that's what one of these movies is now. I feel like this is the first one that feels like, okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a formula here. Rocky has a yeah. new challenger. Something's presented they, it. They don't take it super seriously at first. And then something tragic happens Rocky has to train even harder for the match of his life with all of this emotional pressure. And then he wins and there's a, 
huge moral victory uh, on top and of it's it. It's usually like, Polly's fault. <laughs> 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 so uh, one of the touches with Polly I really love in this movie is that in the, in the final fight when they're all wearing like the people in his corner, you got Duke and you got Creed and you got Polly and they all have red shirts that say Rocky, except Polly's says Polly. <laughs> <laughs> he's, wearing, he's wearing the Polly. He's shirt. on Team Polly. Um, yeah. So it, it's interesting because when um, when Rocky Four was redone, and obviously we're not talking about Rocky Four, but I just want to talk about the interview that Sylvester Stallone gave live before it was, because uh, it, it was shown, it was premiered. It was like a premiere event at movie theaters yeah, right so i went to it and he gave an interview and in his in his interview he said somewhere after rocky 2 i stopped um i stopped thinking about the emotional depth of the characters and i started thinking about what do audiences want to see yeah right and, and so he said this so specifically he was talking about rocky 4 he's like we would film these great scenes with all this emotional content and i would go audience doesn't want to see that they don't care about that and so he'd cut it out right um, and I think that this maybe mo- is the movie where that starts. And it's interesting because the the plot of this movie, I always felt like the plot of this movie ironically mirrored Stallone's career where like Rocky has become um, really yeah. famous and he's become uh, uh, for to, to use Mickey's phrase, he's become civilized. Right. And I, I think about when I watch this, I'm like, does Sylvester Stallone not realize that's exactly what's happened to him as an actor that's become really famous? And, and maybe he's... <laughs> not the same starving actor he was or the same writer or whatever he was. But it turns out that like, I guess Sylvester Stallone had become really disillusioned with how uh, famous he had become and how uh, out of touch with reality you can become so quickly when you become really famous. And that inspired the story. I always thought it was the other way around. So yeah. I mean, and whenever someone is a writer director, there's a level of, authorship that needs to be interrogated and the fact that it's like writer director and star yet at this point you definitely can't separate stallone from rocky i mean you never really could but uh, i think that's kind of jb's point on uh the first movie and why he doesn't think it's as compelling is it's like okay well you it's just this self-insert character and we root for Rocky because because there is all this other baggage about it and because you can't separate it from Stallone. And yeah. I, yeah, so he kind of just writes his current life into the, the movie. And, <laughs> he just throws, in, yeah, he just throws in his friends. <laughs> yes, hello. So speaking of which, he writes, he, there's, there's a, not an extra, there's a very small part in this movie that is very closely related to Sylvester Stallone, and it's not uh, Frankie, who, uh, oh, Frankie, man. Frankie <laughs> apparently has been dragged out of the streets, no longer singing <laughs> yeah. in trash cans. They brought him up. <laughs> That's right. Every, every, every ship rises when Rocky rises, right? But also, so you know the groupie that asks for a kiss in, mm-hmm. the, in mm-hmm. the gym? Yeah. Well, that is, uh, what's her name? I, I was going to say Shasta, but that's not, is it? Uh, where it is no Sasha. That is Sasha Stallone. That is Rocky's then wow. wife. Wow, she's the blonde groupie that asks for a kiss. So <laughs> it takes Rocky at least one more movie before he meets Brigitte. Wow, <laughs> but um, so yeah, Rocky's got his hey, wife. Uh, in the movie. You know, uh, JB laughing at that 
Brigitte that There's way. There's nothing better than so a, a, a whole segment of Roy doing Brigitte jokes from <laughs> oh, this Saturday no. Night Live. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. Uh, so, but speaking of Frankie, so Frankie's in this movie another time too. When Rocky has the montage of all the boxers mm-hmm. he's defeating, one of them's Frank the yeah, Tank Stallone. Yeah, isn't his brother just taking a dive for him? Yeah, his, his brother's one of those boxers he beats, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. But, I mean, come on. The undeniable awesomeness and the disco beat of pushing. Get pushing. ready for the fight. <laughs> pushing. Oh, I, I mean, I will, I will go so far as much as Roy knows I love Rocky Four. I will go so far as to say the middle of this movie is the best like 20 minutes of any part of Rocky. <laughs> like the whole him and and think about it, right? Because you guys all know that Polly is my least favorite character, maybe of any movie ever. <laughs> and just the way he talks about like Creed and Creed's training style, right? And it's all it's an it's not only a beautiful thing to see this friendship blossom, but it's almost like it feels taboo, right? The way Polly talks about it. It's yeah. like, these people shouldn't be hanging out together. It's like, how weird. So to just see them naturally be so such friends in a competitive state, right? And there's no better ending than the ending of this, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah. <laughs> that whole process of he and Creed, you know, training and becoming friends. And then Adrian's speech to him, which is the epitome of great character speeches. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody needs somebody who calls you. I want BS, a wife, you know? and that was yeah, and that was just like well, good. Let's get you a wife. Working yeah, on it. Get, get you an it's really difficult, yeah. you guys. But that Talia, was that was like Talia. the best twenty minutes, right, of any of these films. It's it's incredible. Book ended by two great fight scenes, and I'm talking about you, Thunderlips. And I <laughs> <laughs> take that, Vince McMahon. How dare you fire Hulk Hogan for being in such? Yeah, a great can you film? believe that? <laughs> yeah, he fired he, him. He skipped some matches that he was he was supposed to wrestle in, so he could film the movie. So he got fired from WWF. But then when Vince McMahon Jr. took over, he hired him right back. Well, because the movie made five hundred million dollars, and Hulk Hogan <laughs> became a superstar, right? Regarding yeah. yeah. this movie. So, anyway, I I just love that middle part. Um, but yeah, Andy, I mean, going back, that was kind of weird how, you know, like the way Polly talked about it, I went, I told He's so racist. Like, like, I totally forgot. Like, oh, casually yeah. racist. Yeah. But I totally forgot. Like this might not have been as commonplace. You know, we take that for granted that, you know, maybe this friendship wouldn't have been as, um, commonplace as, you know, during the Creed movies or what have you. Right? So this is, this is Carl Weathers favorite Rocky film. Good. Because his shoulders are um, <laughs> like, I just want to watch him run. His shoulders are two oh people's heads. God, They're just so two people's good. bald heads sticking out of his shirt. I was like, I got to get some resistance bands or something while I watch this because I am way slacking. But yeah, I mean, I can see why he is awesome in this. He is. Like he is so, fantastic. There's a there's a lot to talk about, but I want to talk about the montage, the the success montage real quick. So he so it's weird because we we learned that Mickey has been Mick's been protecting him right by not having him fight killers. But I mean, he, he fought Germany's champion. So, I mean, unless Germany's just notoriously sucky at boxing, that seems like a decent competition, but one of the boxers he defeats is, I can't remember the boxer's name, but it was one of the names that, uh, in Rocky one, when, when Creed was trying to find another opponent, 
and uh, the promoter said, "What about this guy?" And and uh, and anyway, so yeah. Creed didn't fight him he, in Rocky One, but I Rocky mean, he, did fight him. He fought Frank Stallone. That's obviously <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> sausages at him. <laughs> Germany isn't really known for fighting well. Not fair. Well, so like, it, they I don't mean, really go directly face to face to fight. They fight. Yes, their Germany, a notoriously peaceful country, yeah. never did anything wrong in you the twentieth century. No, no, I'm just saying anyone, they didn't. Anyone who almost conquered the world twice. I'm just saying you they know. didn't what fight fair. They wouldn't show up with gloves on. They'd come in a back door and. One of my favorite them. Conan Conan talk show moments is when he's talking to Flulaborg. Andy, you probably remember this. And Conan goes, it's weird how Germany is like Germans are usually the villains in films. He goes, what do you think about that? And Flula's is like, I don't know if you've seen like German history, but we're kind of OK with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great, great scene where he's like, yeah, we're pretty self-aware. We get it. Right? I, think, I think the Nazis will be an acceptable movie villain for at least another thousand years. I, yeah. I think they're, they're good fodder for that. So. You guys, you guys mentioned Adrian's talk, and can I can I talk though about like Rocky's speech before mm-hmm. her talk? Well, it's it's, it's the whole piece that I think is beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's both. No, but I I hate his yeah. side. It's like I'm going to tell you two lies and then the truth, right? And oh, yeah. and, and and then it's when he's like, "You want to break me down, you?" And it just I don't know. I feel like Stallone. I feel like Stallone overdoes it in this movie, and I think he overacts a little bit. But so Stallone's half, I don't, I don't <laughs> I think love. He does that right? in every movie, though. That's I true. Mean, come on, that's true. But um, <laughs> so, but I, I think Talia Shire, even, and we're gonna get to Rocky Five, but like even in the in the, she is so good in every single one of these movies. Yeah, agreed. So agreed. And you're right. Like, so it's interesting because the dynamic has been in Rocky Two, she doesn't want him to fight, and in Rocky Four, she doesn't want him to fight, and in this one, she's like. Oh my gosh, Rocky! Just shut up exactly. and be a man and train like a man and go fight. Well, okay, not even be a man. It's like if you're afraid of this, then confront it and get yeah. over it. And that's what I thought was so great. It's he's coming off as a very stereotypical action hero man, right? Like yeah. I don't look at my feelings and I don't need nothing. And she's like, "You are a chicken." Like, get in front of this, and if your fear is fighting someone who you think is better than you, then get over it, right? And the line that I love the most is when he says, I'm afraid of losing what we've got, and she said, it doesn't matter. Paulie's going to flush it down the toilet anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, mean, from the existential sense, right? Like, her point is so valid. She's like, what what are we losing, right? There's nothing we can't get back. What's important is us. And and that's where I thought your point, Roy, is really valid. Of she's tired of him lying to her, yeah. Too because well, she knows that he's lying to himself. Of course, and she knows that it doesn't. I mean, which is astonishing character development out of nowhere. By the way, like I I love Adrian. I love who she is and how she supports him in these different things. But this is like a radical mental jump when we haven't really seen character development of her just like been watching her clothes and hair change right (laughs) which is great like you can tell that there's there's stuff going on and you can tell that she is supportive and but the actual like developing of her her character arc it's not happening in the movies as we see them but then you get to this moment and she's like i don't care what happens as long as I don't lose you, which is very on par for her. 
But then the, the jump is, if you don't face this, you're going to lose yourself, and I'm not okay with that. So, like, you want to quit? You want to stop doing this? Fine. Fine. I support you. Go marry Joe the Night Watchman. Like, that's fantastic. I will cheer you on. But don't run away from this and continue to lie to yourself because, like, that's not the man I fell in love with. Right. And, and Brooke, we, we, we all know that when we lie to ourselves, we can't help but lie to other people, right? Because we're covering up inadequacy with untruths to everyone. Right. I so, do that every day. <laughs> so I think that's so it's I do agree well, with. And I'm glad she called yeah, her. I do agree with Roy about Rocky's speech. It was. It's, it's exactly I mean, who. But it's it's that character, right? Like it's just yeah, it's just it's a late '80s, early '90s machismo. It's it's that character and what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's so, yeah. It's not ac- necessarily accurate. It's just what that character. I felt like it's what he would have said, right? Because he's not dealing with the actual problems. He's glossing it over, but. I, he, he's a little too hammy at that part, right? <laughs> so can I tell you my second favorite scene is? The zoo. No. Is there a zoo in this one? Wrong movie, KB. <laughs> There's got to be a zoo somewhere. <laughs> no, I. Uh, it's after he loses the first fight and he goes in and, and he talks to Mick. And I think it's just such a... By the way, uh, Burgess Meredith lived for like another 15 years where after is, this movie. Where is the EMT? That's the other question I had. Well, I know I had that question too. Like, someone get a doctor. You mean the entire medical staff that has to be present at this match that still hasn't come 15 minutes yeah. later? Yeah. Right. But also, like, it's so, Sylvester so Stallone, man, his writing, where the guy in the locker room's like, okay, let's start CPR on Mickey, who's still breathing, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, his blood pressure is 180 over 50. Now, like, okay, you've got two radically different things going on. Your systolic pressure is way off the charts high, and your diastolic pressure is way low. It's like, wait, is he have high blood pressure, low blood pressure? Both. So uh, he's still breathing. His heart's still beating. Let's start chest compressions. It's the Frank. It's the Frank Stallone heart attack. That was the problem. <laughs> it's so, but the, like when 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 like Rocky says he doesn't know what to do, and Mick's like, "What do you mean you don't know what to do?" Right? And but like just you can just uh, Burgess Meredith does such a great job, and I think Rocky this is his best acting in the film too, where he's just he's just devastated, right? Not from losing it the battle as much as like he's losing Mickey. He knows he's losing Mickey, and and Mickey's been one of his anchors, and he doesn't know what to do it. But you can just. You feel it in this moment more than any other movie. How much Mickey loves Rocky, like he just right. He's just a, a son to Mickey now. And and I, anyway, I love that moment, and especially um, I love it because I like to watch old people die. So that was pretty. Cool. <laughs> Except not not die for fifteen more years, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, he doesn't. He look ninety in this movie. I guess he was only seventy two in this film. The as the actor, not yeah, the character. Again, it's so weird because. Batman 66, he looks old but middle-aged. Less than 10 years later in Rocky, he looks ancient. And then, and then, (laughs) like, and then uh, fast forward 93, 94, when he's in Grumpy Old Men with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. Like, yeah, he looks like he's aged like a couple years since then. It's just like, he like, they like turned up the age on him like super, super quick in the, in the 70s. And then, and then he didn't really age anymore. He just looked like a really old mm. man for like 
15 years. <laughs> Man. So can I, I can we talk about the um the statue unveiling scene <laughs> where where we like finally get to meet like okay, Mr. T. Right. What's really cool? Uh, before we do that, I want yeah. to welcome someone who I'd like to oh. erect oh, a yeah. statue to, uh, Melissa. Oh. Welcome. Hi, Melissa. <laughs> Hello. Sorry, I was late. That well, would be that would be a terrific statue, by the way. It's okay well. to be late as long as you catch up in the end and we're jumping up and down in yeah, the Yeah, Melissa, I just realized <laughs> that everything I've been saying has been on mute, so that's okay. Oh, oh no. <laughs> but welcome. I'm glad that uh, you mean like the last little bit? Well, not everything, but yeah. I was just going to say the reason that Polly or that he aged so much, that Mick aged so much in between those movies is because he actually has a real life brother named Polly who spent oh, all of his oh. money <laughs> and <laughs> ruined him during the 70s. <laughs> Do you feel like they? This is one of my studio notes, but this movie would have been a crisp eighty-two minutes without Polly. Like he is twenty-suck <laughs> minutes of this. Movie. Oh, he is I, worst in this movie. Like, just get him out. I, I a little bit that there's a there's a part where I do sympathize with Polly, and I don't understand why they have to spend their nights in the uh, five dollars per hour motel <laughs> in downtown LA. Right, like that's. I mean, I get it. They want Rocky to put aside the comforts that he's used to, but holy cow, do you gotta have the hotel where you're gonna get syphilis just by lying? I mean, because when you break a horse, you make the man. That's right. Well, this is okay. I'm gonna throw this out there. I think that through most all of Rocky up to this point, and in Rocky Four, whoever trains in the worst facility is the person who wins the fight every single time. Yeah, because Clubber Lang for the first fight was just training in Rocky's yeah. old apartment. <laughs> yep. I'm pretty sure it was the same thing. Right? He had to move the dog when he used the punching bag. It was really weird. So, yeah. I I, I don't know. Having, having trained in a high-class facility and in a snowy farmhouse, I, I'm going to disagree. I think the snowy farmhouse is way more fun. Better than getting <laughs> injected with steroids by... Exactly in in like a in like a goal in like a Vasa where everyone's just staring at you. So I don't know, but anyway, the statue. Go in. Oh yeah, yeah. So if you notice, like the band that's playing beforehand, one of the drummers has like a big like T on his on his drum, and I guess during filming, Mr. T autographed the guy's drum. <laughs> and they kept in the film. But so Frank, I mean, it was Frank Stallone as the drummer. <laughs> Frank the Tank T Stallone. So. <laughs> I mean, uh, we all know uh, Clubber Lane's speech, which I know it's so despicable, oh. but I, I, man, I love it. But apparently he went to the premiere with his mom. <laughs> and after that scene in that after that scene happened at the movie theater, his mom stood up and said, I did not raise my son to talk to a lady like that. And she walked out during the and premiere. His, his <laughs> mom was a very, very religious and strict person. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's like. Oh, I, so I follow Mr. T on Twitter. Man, I love that guy. It's like nothing but quoting scriptures and how much he loves his mother. <laughs> oh my, he, which he started right after this premiere. <laughs> Some good acting, though. He's so, oh, but yeah. Which is so funny because apparently they wanted to send him to acting school because the producers thought he was awful and Stillen was like, no, they, he doesn't need to act. He just needs to be Mr. Right. T, right? Yeah. And it's just, and Mr. T's brilliant. And, and I think we've already, we, well, we mentioned this in chat. This, I think, is the, is, well, it's the most legitimate villain in any of these Absolutely. movies. Agreed. 
Yeah. So I mean, Drago kills what uh, Creed, and so you have that right. But we'll we'll talk about Rocky Four next week and and what Drago's situation maybe was. But there's nothing good about Clever Lang, right? He just wants to kill Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> and have sex with his wife <laughs> <laughs> or anybody's wife. I think anybody's <laughs> wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, she if she, if she'd gone to his apartment that night, she would have been like, "Oh man, I've been here before." <laughs> this is the apartment. This, this yeah. is Rocky's old place. <laughs> Okay, wait. So, so just just for the record, when was Rocky three filmed? Eighty one, eighty two. So uh, it came out in uh, May of nineteen eighty two, and I'm going to talk about this uh, in a little bit. Okay. So I just think it's hilarious because the the best acting was in WrestleMania one when Hulk Hogan and Mr. T took on two heels and Orndorff and Roddy Piper and beat them senseless <laughs> like rented mules. Starting and but that all came about because of how great they both were in Rocky Three. So I just wanted to see how close the overlap was. It, it so apparently it was after he got rehired, yeah, right, Roy? Yeah. <laughs> and so Andy, you're going to talk about your thing. I just want to mention yeah. real quick that that Stallone did not deadlift Hulk Hogan. He's just not physically <laughs> capable. So if you watch it, Hulk Hogan kind of jumps up into his arms. <laughs> well, Hulk Hogan is six seven two ninety. They said he's over seven feet. So. <laughs> They don't yeah, want in real, in real life. To, he's, they don't want uh, Stallone to like feel like he's a shrimp. Yeah. yeah, in real life, Stallone's like five. He's like Kevin Hart, right? He's like five six. He's short, so that's why. And, and Mr. T is really short, and and Carl Weathers is really short, and which is why um, Drago works yeah. so well. Because yeah. I mean, Carl legit, Weathers Hulk Hogan is, is short. Like yeah, well, he's the same height as, as Sylvester Stallone, right? These are some pretty short men. I want to say he was like five ten. But but hmm. so and again, like when Rocky gets thrown out of the ring, uh, that's not Rocky. That's a stunt double. And guess who desperately wanted to be Frank that Frankie. stunt double? Frank Stallone. Frankie Stallone. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, so Stallone is five ten. Mr. T five ten. Carl Weathers six two. Which I guess they put him in. Oh wow! They put him in deeper okay. sand. <laughs> um, Dolph Lundgren six five, and I believe Hulk Hogan is at least six seven. I mean, he might be six nine. Roy. He 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 like always claimed like six eleven or seven, but I think he's like six eight or six, six nine. Six seven two ninety is wrestling peak. Uh, okay, Which, well there yeah, you go. So Stallone's not in peak. <laughs> so, he's he's I, jumping off of a chair for Stallone. <laughs> is that scene? So re- remind me that I want to talk about the the different styles of the two fights. But Andy, you have something. Well, no, you want I to mean discuss. I'm going to talk about the box office stuff later. What I want to talk about is something that JB brought up the 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 concept of the heel and the face. Yeah, because I think that is yeah. key to understanding Rocky three because Clubber Lang is the perfect heel. Thunderlips is playing the heel. And that's the yeah. whole thing. He's like that. It's all part of the show. What, what does he say at the, at the end? Is that the, it's all part of the game. That's the name of the game. That's the name of the game. That's the line. Yep. That's yeah. the name of the game is like, yeah, it's, it's performance. And, in in Rocky One, you had two faces, uh, Apollo and Rocky. No, oh, that's Batman. <laughs> no, but you have two good guys fighting each other, and and in Rocky Two, Creed is like, I'm willing to turn a little heel and start goading this guy in order to get my second match. Um, 
Right. But even even then he doesn't but feel he's like not it. a legit heel. It's yeah. you know, it's yeah, it's agreed. like I mean, Hulk Hogan did a heel turn, The Rock did a heel turn, everybody does a heel turn for a little while. But, you know, that's and that's the whole thing. Um but yeah, Clubber Lang, one hundred percent a heel and and really, really leaning into that. And it's it's so great because yeah, in real life, like again, Mr. T, as you said, Roy, great guy. <laughs> like, super oh, if you haven't seen his motivational video, um, be somebody, that uh, is the gold. best one hour of your life. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you will be motivated way more than Shia LaBeouf. Do it. <laughs> uh, everybody's favorite heel, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> okay. Um, what What did we want to talk about? So, so go go more into that because I think. Do you really think Shia you know, LaBeouf's a heel? Oh yeah. His face yeah, looks he, like a heel. <laughs> he's the ultimate heel. I think I think you you raise a great point, Andy, because I feel like. And I don't know which Rocky Four we're going to watch. I'll probably watch the extended because I think I think it gets more into Creed in Rocky Two and Drago in Rocky Five or Four may not be that different in terms of how they're sort of forced into that yeah. role, right. right? And I think you're right, Andy. There is no heel like Clubber Lang. Oh, he's so good. Oh, uh, I mean, he's the perfect. Like, I mean, there's just nobody better. So would you say I pity the fool is his signature line for Mr. T for his yeah. entire life? So he ad-libbed that. That was on the spot. <laughs> so good. I don't know. Pain's pretty good too. Pain. <laughs> so so I do use, I use that great. quote a lot. Yeah. That, and that's such a great scene, right? How they film it. Cause he's just there sweating at a 45 degree angle. And then he turns <laughs> and goes pain. And you're like, Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so also uh, another quote from this movie that I use all the time is, um, uh, I, I, I will refer to myself as a mountain of molten lust and desire. Um, and, and just to let my kids know how hot I once was. So that comes up pretty but regularly. Now you're an ultimate meatball. I'm the ultimate meatball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So there, there's the two fights in this, right? And and uh, what I do like is Sylvester Stallone, like, he... He models his fights after real fights, so we know that the the fight at the end is the rumble in the jungle with uh, Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. We talked about that during Rocky II, I think, but it, I mean, really, that's what this movie was—the uh, second fight, anyway. But the first one, the first fight where he goes in and he tries to stand toe to toe with with Clubber Ling and he just gets demolished, uh, is based off of a Sugar Ray Leonard Angelo Dundee fight, and Sugar Ray Leonard lost it for the same reason and came back and did a second match and did kind of the same thing, right? A lot of uh, sticking and moving, and just uh, stayed away and didn't absorb the the heavy blows. But also, so if you watch the second fight, and you guys probably watched the second fight, oh, right? yeah, I'm assuming you watched it. Um, the first fight was three and a half minutes. The second fight was eight and a half minutes. So twelve minutes of boxing in this movie, um, but. Clubber Lang, like he he refuses to jab. There's no jabbing from Clubber Lang. Every single punch is is a hook or a cross, or they're all they're all home run hits, right? And that's why he wears out so fast because yeah. there's like every punch is everything he's got. So which and, is weird and, because by I mean his training he's jabbing quite a bit, yeah. In training, so it's an interesting switch. Oh, I think Stallone said that uh that um. 
the the backstory for Clubber Lang, not the backstory, but the the prologue for Clubber Lang is after this match, he uh, becomes a born again Christian yeah. and, and, and turns into a ringside announcer or something yeah. like that. That's great. <laughs> so I would love to see Clubber Lang somehow come back in in the Creed in the the Creed series, not necessarily the same way uh, Creed Two happened, but I'd love to see him come back somehow. I, I just love that. Yeah, I mean, so in much. the same way that they got. Um, uh, what's his name to like they got drago to come well, back. no but show up in uh in in the original rocky the actual boxer he's just like um, oh yeah uh, hey it's the the heavyweight former heavyweight champion and like uh, uh just wave to the crowd or whatever no i, I yeah it would be fun yeah. or have him play the have him play the the carl weathers role in in this and just sitting there talking with uh brent musburger and being like let me tell you something about Adonis Creed. <laughs> <You know. laughs> so apparently uh, Apollo or uh, Carl Weathers and Mr. T like genuinely didn't get along during the oh, movie. No. And so the animosity between the two of them is fairly um, is not they didn't have to act very much. Apparently, they just really didn't oh. get along. So but that's I mean, that's take it with a grain of salt. That's the IMDb trivia saying that. So who IMDb knows? trivia. Most trusted <laughs> name in news. Yeah. 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 My my, so other, I know- my other favorite part of this, Roy, is Stallone having to pretend like he doesn't know how to swim. I know. Like he was so like, okay, we get it. You really know how to swim, but you're totally faking it. Like that, those first couple scenes, I'm like, you got to do a better job of faking, not yeah. swimming, right? <laughs> so you guys love I Have the Tiger, right? I kind of get the impression everyone loves I that I mean, song. not as much as pushing, but yes. <laughs> okay, we'll, we're going to get to that award. Um, but so I, it's not my favorite Rocky song. But also, do you know what almost was the Rocky, the song for this? If Rocky could have I afforded do. it, it would have been... Glory of Love. No, it, that was supposed to be in Rocky Four, But um, but uh, it was supposed to be... Um, another uh, one bites the Queen dust. song. Another one yep. bites the dust. And then they couldn't afford it. And then the song that almost slipped in, because this was being made at the same time John Avildsen was working on Karate Kid, it was almost... You're the best around, <laughs> which would have been awful yeah. in this movie. Uh, I would have loved to have listened to um, the the Peter Cetera song at the end of Rocky Four as we see Glorious flashbacks of, uh, of Apollo Creed being killed. But no, I sing that I sing that in my head when he dies. The glory yeah. of love. <laughs> the glory of love. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. No. Okay. So that's what he did it all for. Here's yep. one of the other craziest bits of this. So yeah. Stallone couldn't get the rights to another one bites the dust, which had already been a hit and they shot the movie or they edited the movie to coincide with the beats of another one writes the dust, uh, another one bites the dust. That that was much cheaper, by well, the way. I don't know why they didn't. Here's, and, here's, <laughs> and here's the thing, uh, you know, everybody knows that queen, uh, stole that song from Weird Al Yankovic, uh, amazing comedy <laughs> writer, uh, and then they're like, "Hey, we should take this comedy song and make a rock version of it." Uh, this and other true facts about Weird Al Yankovic, Just like Michael, yeah, you can yeah. on IMDb uh, trivia. Also well, and and from available. the movie Weird, starring Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> brilliant, 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 accurate, well, totally well accurate. Done. One hundred percent true facts in that movie. Uh, anyway, uh, no, but this is real. So they they had they had cut the movie to another one bites the dust, 
and uh, Stallone is trying to find another song, and he sends it to the guys in Survivor, and he gives them a VHS copy of the scenes uh, where Eye of the Tiger, or where another one uh, bites the dust, is playing there. And uh, later in the year, um, the guitar player from Survivor runs into Brian May from Queen at like the Grammys or something. And he's like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, um, and, you know, Eye of the Tiger is now like the number one song of the year. And he's like, you know, uh, Sly Stallone gave us a VHS with uh, the movie cut to Another One Bites the Dust. And Brian May is like, oh, I really want to see that. And now I'm like, now I want to see it too. That's like, that's like the, the Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon um, uh, sync up thing. That just, that sounds way fun. And um, yeah. Uh, so the version of the song you hear in the movie is right. the demo. Like, Stallone liked the demo so much, he just grabbed it and and, yeah. and did it right. So the only the only way for you to hear the movie version of the song is by right. watching the movie. Yep, because the then they went and re-recorded it, and because uh, like they they weren't gonna make it. Like the the album came out after the movie had already come out. Um, so um, not a great job tying that in, but it, I think it goes to just how late in the process they were still looking for uh, for that song and had found it. And Stallone's like, well, this is great. I'm going with it. And they just, just yeah. used it. So. Uh, and then, of course, they come back to Survivor to write the greatest Rocky theme in Rocky. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I am the Tigers. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about this. I, Kit is not here, but wanted to send along their deep and abiding love for this song, um, which, yeah, is indeed great. I saw it in concert at the Marriott Center. I want to say Survivor was the last band to play the Marriott Center for a very long time. Was it like 97? When was it? Was that? It was after Rocky IV, and I was still kind of a kid, and I think this was the, the show where the opening band was Jason and the Scorchers, which is was the worst opening band of all wow. time. But... Um, yeah, they they their encore was "Eye of the Tiger," but I remember thinking, "Why aren't they playing the song from Rocky IV?" So it must have been shortly after Rocky IV. Interesting. So wow. Um, le- okay, let's see, Melissa. Do you know what the Marriott Center is? Do not. It I is. I mean, this is a Utah thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, anytime <laughs> it's a Utah, I just say thing I don't understand. I'm like, it's Mormon or Utah or both. Yeah, well, it's it's where the the BYU basketball team plays their song, their game. But so, so at the time, it probably seated around twenty one thousand people. I think they tore out all the benches and replaced them all with chairs, so it's down to like seventeen thousand. Yeah. But I mean, it's pretty big. 18, capacity. Eighteen nine eight seven. Wow. Wait, is oh, BYU okay. the place where a girl can't wear a crossbody bag if it goes between her breasts or something? <laughs> Roy, were you on? Campus? There's a reason for that because there is nothing. Or was that, that a different, really, <laughs> nope. really conservative university? Well, I know. I don't know about that. I, I, but I do know that at BYU Idaho, for some reason, you cannot wear capris, which is the weirdest rule in the world. I think you shouldn't wear capris because they're they're just the worst article of clothing ever. But but apparently that's a uh, that well, breaks the modesty law at BYU Idaho. So you know. 
Oh. We don't but, sell you know, them very I bet much if here. a man wanted to wear capris, they wouldn't have a problem with it, right? No, I think they would have even more of a problem because that then that ventures into the uh, the awful, awful world of possibly oh, okay. cross dressing. Right? Well, my How point being, though, that yeah. you know, it's, they're always harder. You're on not them. wrong. Like they don't care about a man's modesty like they do a woman's. You know what I mean? So. No, no, absolutely. So, I, although I will say, I've been turned away. I was turned away from tests because my shorts yeah. weren't long enough. But um, I did have, um, and so BYU for whatever BYU Provo, their dress code is not as strict as the Idaho campus. Yes, That's correct. Yeah. So I and and I've tried to get an answer for why, and and mm-hmm. I've never gotten a good answer. But altitude. Um, well, I, altitude, I dry sure. county. I understand it though, like <laughs> because I went to Catholic school, and I don't think Catholics are nearly as strict as Mormons can be on certain things. Um, I think a lot of modern Catholics are a little loosey goosey and the church just kind of allows it now because they've lost so many people like me. They can't afford to lose more. So they're just very, they're more permissive than they used to be. You know what I'm saying? Um, Just because it's, and I I know this is going to sound deeply cynical, but I truly mean this. Religion is a numbers game. I I really believe that, you know, they, they can't afford to lose more people. And, um, but when I went to Catholic school, you know, the skirt length was something they really paid attention to. So they would make us kneel down on, by our desks. And if um, if the nun could put her hand and, and between the skirt where the skirt stopped and the floor started, if her fingers felt um, if her fingers didn't feel your skirt, then it was too short and you get punished for it. Like that's how they measured it. You know, so like if your nun had particularly fat fingers, you could wear your dress, your skirt, you know, a little bit, a little bit higher. But if not, then, you know, they would send you home and, and you know, admonish your parents for not hemming the skirt to the right length and everything. It's just crazy shit. Crazy I wish shit. I wish it were here for to, to tell this story, but uh, they attended BYU Idaho for one semester, maybe two. Uh, before it being like f this noise um but they would do a similar thing uh that they called the fish dance where you had to raise your arms over your head and if your shirt uh exposed any skin then that was uh you were not allowed into the event they specifically did that going into uh, like dances and other recreational activities. Did they take advantage of those opportunities to flop like a Dieter in the Sprockets flip fish? Uh, if only. So can I can I say though in a, in a similar experience? I think JB, you came with me and my wife Valerie and John Madsen for trick or treating at BYU campus, like yeah. the first year I was married, right. and I I dressed up as the guest from Love Works. <laughs> Right. I was the Phil Hartman character who yeah. was the just gotten out of prison cross dresser. Right. And so many of the dorm rooms that we knocked at, I had people tell me, you know, you're not supposed to cross dress. Right. <laughs> so you, you well, did it. You did us proud, though. That was a great. I wish I did. I mean, I think they were also they they, they ended up kicking me off because I had a beard, I think. Yeah. Or a go. I don't know. Yeah. But that was know. yeah, that was one of your. You had many fine moments. That was we had to smuggle you into into my dorm so we could play we could play cards up in Deseret Towers (laughs) with you. They were like, "No, no, no, it's okay. He's with me." Yeah, this just came. House on fire! House on fire! (laughs) Put it out! Put it out! 
Uh, all right. Well, anyway, Rocky Three. Is there... you? Out of all the characters, I think the the characterization of these different people are it's very uneven depending on who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one who seems to keep improving, even though I don't think they earned it, is Adrian. Um, in the first movie, I think because they wanted to overplay her shyness and stuff, you know. They wanted to really go for that. And so she didn't say much, but you could tell from the questions she asked, like even on their first date that she was listening and she was taking everything in. Like she's, you could tell she was very smart, even if she felt kind of almost trapped in in this situation with her brother. Right. Um, And she jumps from there to being stronger and stronger with every movie. I'm not sure they laid the groundwork for that, but I'm happy at least that it happened. Because if she were to stay like the meek, shy person, that would have pissed me off. And it, and it, I don't think you can stay the same when your husband is, you know, has that kind of meteoric rise. There's no way it changes people. The fame, the money, the attention, it all changes people. Uh, but it seems to have changed her for the better. And that, and that scene where she was basically laid out how she saw it with Rocky you know, at the beach, you know, just like, you know, trying to figure out what was wrong with him. I just love that. Um, everybody needs yeah. someone like that in their life. Like my best friend, Sophia. Hi, Sophia. Um, she's that person. Like she'll tell me how it is, even if I don't want to hear it, you know, because sometimes you just need to hear it. And, and, you know, you might get kind of mad at them, but in the end, you're really more mad at yourself that they even had to tell you that. Uh, that you got to the place where they needed to tell you how it was. So I really enjoyed that scene again, probably unearned, but she is consist the most consistent character despite that throughout all of this series. And, and it, since we're on movie three, I don't think it's too early to say that like they really assassinated some of the characters, like Apollo Creed's character just gets assassinated in the next movie. And uh, you know, it, yeah, the the next movie pisses me off for that reason mostly. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll, but we'll get more into that next week, obviously. But I really love that they let Adrian grow. You know, this is a very sausage fest series. You know, there's not a lot of women, and so when you have one who's a main character, you need to make sure that she gets some kind of attention and that she's not just the wife. You know, like a trophy wife or something. So I was happy about that because honestly, it could have gone either way at this point, right? They could have made her a trophy wife or make her, you know, tough and they made her tough. And I appreciated that. So I think when we get to Rocky five, you're going to be hanging on to Talia Shire like she's a (laughs) life raft. That was a lot of what I had to say too. um, Before you jumped on, Melissa, is that they don't show it. They don't show her arc. Yeah. And it does feel like, it's appreciated and needed, um, but it feels like they just show her getting better clothes and better hair and less glasses, like assholes. <laughs> but but like you can see that she's growing. You can see her strength. You can see the development, but they don't show us her development. Mm-hmm. And so I was disappointed in that. But yeah, they could have taken they could have shortened the training montages in these movies just enough to like maybe put a little um, What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Instead of just saying that she he was making the realtor's job easy, she could have walked upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
But I agree. It It's important that they showed it and it's important that they let her be the strength that she was. Um, it's especially important, I think, because what was this movie made in 82, 83? 82. Like that? Okay. Yep. Think about the movies that came out, the TV shows that were on at that time. How many of them had true females, like strong female characters uh, who were leads, you know, Um, and weren't that didn't have like magic or, you know, weren't set in space, you know, like like Princess Leia. Okay, that's one. Um, But most of the movies and TV at that time, they were, you know, women were like secondary to men always. And here she's holding her own amongst a lot of testosterone. And so, you know, that's something that you just didn't see back then. I mean, hell, you don't even see it as much as we should now, you know? Um, And this is what, 30 years later or 40 years later? Yeah. 40, 41 years later. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's much needed. Even if they didn't earn it, they didn't show the work. Um, at least they, they allowed her to be that way. And, and so her character arc, like I said, is probably one of the more consistent of the entire series. Yeah. Well, and there's, there is a purity to her and her, her growth in this film. I, I love all of the Adrian scenes. I mean, especially on the beach is great. But at the beginning, the thing where they're just in their bedroom and they're talking, very cute, very nice. The one that I like the most, though, is when they've gotten to that trashy hotel and she's just gotten out of the shower and she's like, well, hey, at least they have hot water. You know, we never went on a honeymoon. This is is their honeymoon. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's like she's putting a really positive spin on it. But the thing that's. I the thing that she isn't saying is if if this idea that money and success and fame changes people Adrian hasn't been changed by any of that. Oh, yep. She's pure, she's so. totally yep. fine with like kind of subpar living conditions. She's yep. not like I want my fancy clothes, I want my fancy house. I want a team of servants waiting on me hand and foot. She's like, no, we're doing this. We're living this dream because I believe in you. And, um, and because this is important. Um, um, can I make a quick correction? Absolutely. I don't think it's fair to say it hasn't changed her. I think it has okay. fortified her in a different way. And that she has grown into it, but she's definitely been changed. She just grew into the best portions of her. Okay, and I think yes, that, that is important to, to set. Yeah. Like, it, she didn't let it alter her in a, to bring out negative parts of her. She looked at it and said, I'm going to, just like in that scene, continue to see the best parts and use my voice more and support my husband more instead of just taking what Polly was throwing at her. Right. Literally. She is a, she's a different, she has absolutely changed. And so I just wanted to say that. No, you're absolutely true. Thank you for that. You're 100% correct. Just because it wasn't negative doesn't mean it wasn't changing. Yeah. She just, she just grew into, 
stronger parts of her instead of right. growing into worse parts of her. Right. Exactly. Like Polly. Like Polly. <laughs> yeah. The worst character ever. Uh, uh, what happened to Polly's Trans Am? Stallone gave him that nice Trans Am and, oh, and no, his no. X-Lax watch. Well, he, he throws the X-Lax watch. <laughs> you know, but you know he drives the Trans Am like into the water at some point, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's gotta, yeah, there's gotta be some backstory at that. He, he, he definitely pawned it. 100% Polly pawned the Trans Am. Yep. That's so sad. Or lost it in a in a, in in a, a horse gambling, race or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Polly goes and uh, uh beat up a beat up a pinball machine. <laughs> oh, did you guys yeah, see the, the did you bother to watch machine. the um Muppet show? Glass on glass. I did. Crime. So that was right after Rocky One was when that episode of the Muppet show filmed, I think, right? It was pretty mm-hmm. close after that, but um I don't know, man, what'd you think? That last number where he's singing like the, the song in the old timey saloon. That's yep. pretty rough. <laughs> it's pretty it's like I, I the first half of the episode, I'm like, oh, this is really good. They're letting the Muppets do most of the singing and Stallone <laughs> yeah. just gets to do like kinda he's he's kinda, you know, uh you Very say peripheral. tomato and I yeah. say tomato, you know. You know, whatever. But then that last song, he he goes and he goes into full rhinestone mode. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> and they call it Triggerstein. <laughs> yeah, no, oh. uh, didn't work. But oh well, was was fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was not great. I mean, let's call the whole thing off. Is exactly what his three year old wanted, <laughs> right, Roy? That's that's what he came on for. Is because didn't his son want him to go on there, and that's why he did it? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. So actually, like that. who's yeah. the um the who's his son who, who like Stallone's son who plays in Rocky Five? What's the name of that that his son? It's not Sage. 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 It is Sage Stallone. Yeah. That's the one who wanted him to go on Muppet Show. And by the way, Sage Stallone is the child of Sasha Stallone, who again is the groupie oh, in, is the, in, this movie? in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> sly keeping it a family affair. That's nice. right. And then, yeah, until like Rocky Four breaks up the family. Yeah, all twelve uses of Frank Stallone. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, well, you can't we bring all of them. The Rocky movies with just Frank Stallone. <laughs> Frank, a, every Frank would be up for that. Except for who they're fighting. Yeah. 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 No, seriously. I mean, we're using AI software now to like create Google images or whatever. Like, he'd be a killer, Adrian. Yeah, imagine when it's like, hey, AI machine, show me a version of Rocky 2 where every character other than Rocky is played by Frank Stallone. <laughs> we'll totally be able to do that. Oh, man. That's that's the future that we're hurtling towards. Actually, Adrian should be played by Richard Crenna. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's a madhouse. A madhouse. Show me it's planet. never over. Never. <laughs> Show me Planet of the Apes starring Frank Stallone. Just, just remake it and shift each character one position to the left, like the Mad Hatter. Polly <laughs> oh, becomes good. Adrian. Adrian <laughs> becomes Mick. Mick becomes. Now that Thunder would be interesting. Thunder Thunder Lips. Yeah, Thunderlips is Mr. T. <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, what? What else? There. There's so much in this movie, but it's it's a nice crisp movie for themes, though, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's, I mean, you 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 cover them all pretty well. There's, 
it's it's not a deep movie in the sense of it's not like there's a ton going on, but the things that do go on are are really meaningful, right? Like friendship and um, fear and, and deltoids, yeah, deltoids, tigers. Like it's all, <laughs> it, it's just a nice. It's, it's like you said, Brooke. It's just a nice ninety minutes to watch. You, you wish the scenes with Polly were not in it, but like the rest of it, it is. It's just a nice, tidy little package. Yeah, it's with like the Carl Weathers bulging biceps. Oh my goodness! Talk motivation. about listen, speaking of bulging. That there is a close-up shot during the running on the beach. Yep, so, uh, and, here's, and here's what their groins look like in slow There's, motion yeah. on the beach. I yeah. only watched it once. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the quad, aka Ooh. yeah. That thing made me question every queer thing i've ever thought about myself i, I had to really dig. Well, no i i think that's the great thing about being bi brooke is you can like both it's wonderful yeah. you Everything. can you can like all the carl weathers oh that scene was pretty it was just it was just pretty i i think that this movie almost covers more depth though they just do it in a way that is precise and again it's not there's like I have a very hard time accepting that Sylvester Stallone wrote these movies. My brain just doesn't comprehend. It, it is yeah, because it's weird, right? Because saw Oscar. Because they're <laughs> so good and they cover so much. And it, I, I would love to sit down and be like, okay, did you intentionally do this, or are we all just reading into it because of our own lives? And I, mm. I fear it's the latter. But um, I think that this movie, in particular, in its 90 minutes it covers fear it covers love it covers like the way that he goes and does rescue polly and bring him home be like all you had to do is ask just ask for what you need in life don't be afraid of your fears like let people be responsible for their own decisions it just it covers so very much but in a way that isn't shoved in your face, but really pleasant and digestible. And you know what? what That's the beauty of. Oh, great! What this film fails to do, though, is solve the Cold War. Not only temporarily, (laughs) but it will. But but the nice thing, Brooke, though, the reason why it's good that Stallone wrote it is, let's be honest, there's probably only thirty pages of script. (laughs) Like that's that's. But I think to your point. I was thinking about this because one of the one of the best things that someone posted on LinkedIn was the Joe Madden who used who was the manager of the Cubs when they won it after a hundred years and his motto was do simple better, right? And I think the yeah. really great thing about this movie is it's simple, and that makes it better, right? Like he doesn't pontificate, he doesn't do a bunch right. of stuff, you know what I mean? And so to your point. I think the reason we find it so meaningful and it does cover a lot of ground is because he just gets right to it, right? Yeah. Some other directors would have made that speech on the beach. You know, they would have brought in ambiance and other stuff. And no, he just, Stone's like, listen, I'm going to, like you said, Roy, lie, lie, truth. She keeps pressing him. It's a three minute scene, right? And it's the, the one of the most meaningful scenes in the whole the whole you know yeah it lasts as long as the final round against clubber right right? and and that's probably a good thing right because it's simple he he just this is how it goes this is what we want and this like you said andy all you or or, all you gotta do is ask right like we talked about all you have to do is ask that's a whole scene that was really just one sentence and they didn't have to spend 45 minutes 
like other directors would have. So <laughs> I liked I like what you said, Brooke, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why this movie was so fun is because they just got right to it, right? Like Creed and Stallone, they didn't have a long. He was just like. I've no, I've been where you've been. Do you want me to help you? I mean, I guess so. All right, let's go. Do, and then you know, the next thing, they're in California, right? Do you think like, it spoiled great. this film that they colorized it and got rid of the black and white version, though? I mean, was Paulie in the the black and white version? Yeah, he was. He was more black and white in that version. Yeah, then it's still ruined. That's <laughs> he was that. Then he was making racist jokes about Paulie. Yeah, definitely didn't like the black and white version. He's like. Hey. <laughs> Oh, I get some of those this. things that Polly said. I was like, "Oh my goodness, how can, I, can you yeah, say so that in that a movie?" Was, that was what got me because, like I said, I went, "I can't believe!" Like I, just, I have not, like it just oh. doesn't make sense because you, that that friendship has just been such a part of my life. You know, the two of them, yeah. right? That it's amazing. So this is one thing I wanted to talk about, like his training with with Creed, and I get it. Well, okay, I, I I think I get it. But like in the first one, he just trains his heart out and he's little old Rocky and, and whatever. And then the second one, he trains kind of half-heartedly until he has Adrian's support and then he's Rocky again, right? But in this one, when he's training with Creed, it's like he's never boxed in his life. <laughs> like when he's training alongside Creed, it's like, have you ever hit a punching bag? Have you ever like moved in a ring ever in your entire life? Because you look like you're being taught for the first time how to do boxing. If you go back and watch Rocky one, he hasn't because he's like you said, he's just taking blows with his face. Yeah. Like, he's not moving. He's just absorbing and then moving forward. But like right? punching well, the he, bag, like how did he forget how to punch the, you know, like the, the bag that hangs from the ceiling? How did he yeah. forget how to do that? And all of a sudden happened, he doesn't know how to do that? What happened was, he, well, what happened was when he took off his gloves when he was fighting Thunderlips. All the magic went with them, and oh. then his brains left his body, and then he had to start all over. Well, the, some people only hit the heavy bag, Roy. No, some no, no, no. In in at least in Rocky Two, he's hitting the speed bag, he's and he's doing bag, just fine. Yeah. That's a difference. That's a Philadelphia. Speech. Oh, okay. Yeah, on the West Coast, they it's like the Coriolis effect. It like it, 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 <laughs> by the way, like. My favorite, let's get back to basics training in any of the Rocky movies is probably Creed 2 when they just go in the desert. But um, that's several weeks from now. That's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Rocky 4 where they go up and, and That's do. true. Actually, I think my favorite workout is just like, that's that's the one I do. And I just love it you because it is. It's just the citizen, just push the citizen cane of uh, you training just, montages. You, just push it, you do. You just push a sled and flip a tire and people stare out the window at you and go, what is wrong with that guy? And you just go, Drago killed my friend. He follows you around in a, uh, a lot of, you know. Yeah, yeah. Polly's right behind me like, where's my Trans Am? I was like, you just have to ask. Uh, hey, so, uh, Brooke, when you spoke about uh, Rocky's brain leaving his body, does it, <laughs> does it seem like Rocky is like the opposite of brain damage happened to him he's after to be, his fight with Apollo. He's like, he's 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 like points. He, yeah. he got his, his brains knocked into him. Now he, into can him. Read <laughs> and he can read. He can read. He can write. It's like, it's like you, when you give some kids Benadryl and they go to sleep and other kids, you give them Benadryl and they bounce off the walls. They, right. First couple of movies, he got his brains knocked out, and then they knocked him back into place, and the concussions were he was like fighting those Germans, right, Brooke? Yeah, because he fought the Germans and he healed. Oh, <laughs> crazy things happen. Yeah, it's the Coriolis yeah, effect thought, in Germany. I thought I thought the kid was reading him the story. I didn't know it was going around. <laughs> 
it, it no. was there was this point in me that I was like, wasn't the point of the second one that he couldn't do all this? Well, so this is right. three years. This is supposed to be two or three years after Rocky two, right? Yeah, like three. He's had yeah. ten title defenses. It, you can't do that in just one year. That takes several years. And so he's had a few years to learn how to read, and then he but can now afford you, to have someone teach him how to read. You think he's that not in training. all those fights, he got smarter? In between the rounds, because they're not difficult matches, he's got a tutor in the corner. Well, I mean, Frank Stallone was probably doing math for him in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, again. like it it does show in Rocky II that he's very dedicated to improving his situation yeah, he's working around. Hard. So yeah. it's not unbelievable, but but it, there was this part of me that was like, "This is a big jump, guys. This is a big, yeah. this is a big well, old jump." It, it it reminds me of like when you play a video game and then you pick up the sequel and all of a sudden you've forgotten everything from the first video game except like your aptitude is higher and you go, "Yeah, but I I really like to keep the bow and arrow skill, not the I know more about the world skill, right?" Like, <laughs> so I think I think that's kind of a nice. You guys both picked up on it where all of a sudden he's a worse boxer, but he's a better human like <laughs> right like how did we miss one and not the other so that's really it's really cool you both do you guys watch um always sunny in philadelphia uh, unfortunately i love that? that show i love that show dumpster baby and when they decide to put themselves on crack for like, it's the funniest thing i've ever seen in my oh life. so well there's an episode where charlie day thinks he's becoming brilliant and then, <laughs> then at the end it turns out that like it's not he's just really stupid right <laughs> um but so that's how i feel like maybe rocky us seeing him become smart and lucid and intelligent is just through his lens and it turns out that he everyone else around him is just like oh my gosh rocky stop talking you're so dumb <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were gonna call him the dumpster baby <laughs> that no, show's so Polly. good if you guys haven't watched that show that show is so good I, it's really one of my to. it's one of my huge blind spots and now it's like there's so many of them i'm like I don't the thing about that I'm show talking. is just start where you're at because they always base it off of current events it's kind of like south park where you can jump in at any season and you won't have some of the character background but the jokes are all going to be very much about what's happening in oh, the world man. around us right now and it's so I, hilarious i, I want to say like that so the the best part about the show is everyone's awful in that show like everyone but like in the second episode into the show uh, one of the main characters finds out that his high school gym teacher was accused of molesting boys and he's really offended that that the teacher didn't <laughs> think he was handsome enough to molest him <laughs> <laughs> and he like goes to the teacher's house and tries to like tempt you know, the teacher and wow. it's, it's so awful but <laughs> oh man anyway that show's really and good if that and didn't sell you on it yep. <laughs> no, I also know. find a baby in the dumpster and do cocaine <laughs> but yeah i know like all the memes too so it's like i know by the way my daughter's in here with me and she just looked at me like what is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> dumpster babies cocaine it's got the greatest her, musical of all time, Nightman. Right. Oh, just tell her it's always sunny. That's all that matters. In the Coriolis effect. I, yeah, I know about Nightman. I also know about the Trash Man. We, <laughs> we talk about the Trash Man in this house a lot. I'm the Trash Man. That's how I get my kids to clean up. Um, <laughs> nice. All right. Um, Rocky two. What else are we missing? What haven't we covered? We're Rocky missing three. the third. Three. Three. <laughs> now I have brain damage. I think we're missing. We're missing an eye. I think somewhere in there. <laughs> Sorry, Rocky Three. Anything else? Check my notes real quick. There is no tomorrow. You really it covers so many themes. 
it just it really does cover so many things. Man, I love Creed in this movie. I, I, I do too. Creed is amazing in this. Mm. He's he's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. 100% drives this movie. Yeah, I okay. love that they have him in this movie at all because they really could have just left him there after the second movie, right? He lost. We're moving on. It's called Rocky, you know, the whole series. And they, but they brought him back and gave him something new to do. And the way they focused on him so little in the first two movies, I would not have expected that, honestly. Um, so I'm just glad they brought him back. But I would have loved to have seen the work where he went from feeling like a failure after he lost the title to like being willing to work with him and even start a friendship with him. There's a lot that happened between, you know, a lot of emotional work that had to have happened. And uh, something tells me Mrs. Creed was probably a big part of that. And we didn't, we we don't see her at all. Yeah, I know. Um, So it, I understand, I guess why they didn't focus on him so much. It is Rocky, not Creed, but like still I, that would have been a really interesting to see how he got from point A to point B because yeah. that's a big leap. Yeah. So yeah. Also, we, do, like in, we get in, one line from him where he's like, "Yeah, man, I've been there. Okay, I know what you're feeling right now." Yeah, yeah. I you don't want to hear from nobody and no one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I would have liked to have seen more of it as well, Melissa. Like, part of it had to have been internal work. Part of it had to have been the words exchanged between him and Clover Lane and. It would have been very cool to see that play out. So that there's when when Creed gives the speech in the gym to like recruit Rocky to say, "Hey, here's my plan. Let's do it." So Rocky like they, you know, he knows he's there. And he's like, "What are you doing here?" And then Creed gives his whole big speech, and then Rocky says, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> it's like you idiot. He just explained it. He just spent five minutes explaining it. <laughs> no brains. Use quarter uh, words. But, but I will say, yeah. like at the end of Rocky two. Um, like they, he like thanks Creed for fighting him and he acknowledges that Creed's a great fighter, but there is no such, uh, respect and admiration shared at the end of the fight with Clever Lane. No. Because he's not a good person. No. Yeah. Cause he's just a monster. It's like, yeah. who will probably eat your children. I, I mean, after he makes them with your wife, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's his whole goal. Uh, <laughs> Sleep with your woman and then eat his child. You need me to show you what a real man is? (laughs) That's such a great part, though. (laughs) Get away from that old man. You want to see a real man? He ain't got no heart. (laughs) Bring your pretty little self over to my apartment. (laughs) so It's so great. Oh, man. (laughs) So gross. (laughs) I know, but it's so such, like you said, Andy, it's the most perfect heel speech of all time. Although I bet his apartment isn't much different than Rocky's was. She might have been into it. No, Were you not here? Crazy, we just, didn't we discuss that? That he just took Rocky's no. apartment? <laughs> yeah, he just stole it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's how we got there. Yeah, and so let's talk about that ending, that iconic, iconic oh, ending. so good. Because again, this film could have ended with the end of the fight, Rocky's victorious. But that extra, that extra thing is so perfect. It is. It's oh, I see. And, you're and just and just them getting on each other as they get in the ring, making fun of each other like friends would. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. Well, you know, but aren't the original- we glad we don't see them fight? Like, I'm really glad 
that he's yes. like, this is just because I guarantee well, you that, that friendly definitely. fight turns not friendly after about. Well, but minutes. if you look at if you look at how they both punch each other, it's the ultimate stalemate, right? Because that's going to ring both of their bells at the same time. Because <laughs> so Apollo's going over the top and Balboa's going underneath, and they're both going to clock each other with that first punch. So maybe it'll be like, all right, we're down. That's enough. Well, I mean, but we we do know how that fight ended but we don't find out until Creed, but we don't see it. And that's what's so beautiful yeah. is, you know, we're left for 30 years with this ambiguous ending. It's like, oh, now these two great friends have a competitive fight with each other. And to the story and to the character development, it doesn't necessarily matter who's who wins, but... It's also, it's this great turn where it's like, okay, this is actually what Apollo wanted the whole time. Because it's like, wait, why is Apollo doing this? Is it Clubber Lang just got under his skin? He's like, the, the, he never says like, oh, it's about the purity of the sport. It's not about, he's like, he kind of does the two truths and a lie thing, or two lies and the truth thing too, where he gives rocky a couple of cover stories but real and he's like and then i'm gonna ask for a favor and but i don't I, he's, and the favor is just i need to prove that i but <laughs> i don't I'm a better again, boxer. but yeah. i don't know that i mean again i i don't think that he intended to like necessarily rocky by the end so yeah, I no that, i think but, so yeah, you're right i, th I think it, it ended up being more fun because they ended up really liking each other but i can totally see creed going into it like look i'm just gonna make this guy a champ i'm gonna make my money and then i'm gonna you know go punch him a bunch and instead <laughs> they ended up being you know pretty close and it, it turned into more of a fun fight you know yeah. so I, but yeah, I can fight. totally see that that fight it started with punches and in the middle there were maybe some ice cubes and some tickling <laughs> just like our old basketball game yeah, <laughs> yeah. we had a we had a lot of tickling. <laughs> Jake, were you there for any of the games where we had the loser had to drink a, a like a, a half a cup Malt of syrup beer. or whatever? Uh, yeah. The syrup fights. Like a two liter drink. bottle of tab. <laughs> oh man. Who can who can down all six cans of ruby red squirt? Oh, in, that was the worst eight minutes of my that life. That was the worst thing ever. <laughs> I've never shook so badly during woodshop class. <laughs> Oh, so much glycerol ester of wood rosin. So bad. <laughs> very, very, very. Anyway. Bad. Yeah. Uh, well, this was a good movie. I really liked this movie. So, so kudos to us for watching. Yeah. This movie, <laughs> this movie came out in May of 1982. And I have long proclaimed uh, that 1982 is this breaking point in American cinema, that it is the greatest year of populist popcorn cinema that really? we have ever had. And I, because I want to run through all of this, but specifically the summer. Um, okay. Okay. So uh, the, okay. So the year starts out pretty good with, got some, got some good, some good things going on. Um, you have Das Boot uh, comes out in February. Uh, you have the um, 
the drama Missing, which cleans up at the Oscars later in the year. You have Death Wish 2, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. Swamp Swamp Thing. thing. In March, you have Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip, which actually ends up making a huge amount of money. Yeah, it's like 40 million. Huge, huge deal. Uh, You get Porky's and Victor Victoria coming out the same weekend, which is interesting counter-programming. April. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yep. (laughs) April, uh, Roy, you get the remake of Cat People. uh, and his favorite movie. And Diner. uh, And the same weekend, Penitentiary 2, which is not a notable movie, except that it also had Mr. T in it. Playing <laughs> what about Sword and the Sorcerer? Wasn't that in the- uh, that? That's coming. That's April 23rd, right? That's April. Yep. Okay. Oh. I thought that was early. And then, the, and then the very next week, you have the ACDC concert film, Let There Be Rock. Uh, in Okay. Now, here we are heading into the summer in May. May 14th, Conan the Barbarian. Oh, man. May 21st, Annie. Huh. May 20. Wait, am I, was I supposed to be as excited for Annie no. as I was for Conan? Because <laughs> total let <laughs> No, no, but, but a big movie. And you, but you can see like, this is, this is where the, like the summer movies are going. Um, I'm just wait. I'm just waiting for. The, the my favorite one that summer okay. and it's in june and i can't wait may 28th rocky three that's okay. the the real big beginning of the summer oh, that but here it, comes. And it ends up being the that's you know that's the star wars slot that's the jaws yeah. slot you take memorial day weekend you get a big movie there you go rocky three that's your movie june 4th then, june yes. 4th the same weekend you get poltergeist and, and Star Trek II, The Wrath of God. Con! I saw that like four times that year. Con, and I was a bloodsucker. The very next week, the biggest movie of the year, the biggest movie of the 80s, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then like the same weekend. The same weekend, Grease 2. And Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Uh, No. Oh man, I can't imagine Spielberg would release those two movies in the same. No, weekend. Raiders. I thought, I thought they were Raiders was eighty one. I thought. They, oh, I thought they re released it. Oh, because I I don't remember it in eighty one. I think because it true. still made like I still made like a hundred and yeah. like two hundred million in twenty in eighty two. It's, it's true. Yeah, Raiders actually made almost as much money in eighty two as it did in eighty one. That's not crazy. It's still hanging out. Those are two. Years. That's two great Good Spielberg thing. films yeah. too. Wow. So, um, Grease two. Two weeks wow. later, the same weekend, you get Monty Python live at the Hollywood Bowl, but more importantly, you get Blade Runner Ooh, and wow. The Thing. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. All the same weekend. So you have all of these movies in theaters at the same time. Rocky Three, Wrath of Khan, E.T., Blade Runner, The Thing. The next week, The Secret of Nim. One week oh, later, wow. Tron. Okay, maybe people are not as excited about Tron as I am. We do love Tron. But wasn't The Road Warrior that summer, too? Uh... It was only a smaller release, but I mean, and then you're stacking that on some of these indie films on top of it too. Yeah, um, I'm That's not amazing. seeing Road Warrior when that came out. It didn't make a lot of money. Um, July 23rd, a movie we've covered on this podcast, 
best little whorehouse in Texas. Nice. Uh, and uh, the next week, the big winner at the Oscars, an officer and a gentleman. Uh, then going into August, you have Pink Floyd's The Wall, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and Friday the 13th Part 3 the same weekend. Uh, August 20th, the Beastmaster, Roy's favorite movie, <laughs> and Class of 1984. Yeah, yeah. Cougar Rentals. You made me watch that. Uh, let's see. So um, I was going. I was going to tell you guys next week that that Rocky Four was my sexual awakening, but it might have been Beastmaster. Been. <laughs> I'll still talk about it's, it next week, though. It's fair. There was a lot of oily pectorals for that whole light pg of a movie oh, I, I know that movie's pg <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, anyway i'll fast forward to october uh on the stallone train first blood um so another so big good. movie um november 3rd man from snowy river november oh, so good. november 5th the first movie james cameron ever directed uh piranha 2 the spawning not a big oh, hit, but just notable because it's first it's James Cameron's first movie. Uh, the next week, Creep Show. Um, then oh, there's a there's a bunch of crazy stuff in here. Forty eight hours was the, that December. They call too, me Bruce. Uh, the Ooh. Last Unicorn. Ooh. Um, yeah, forty eight hours is December, which comes out the same weekend as Gandhi and The Verdict. Jeez. Holy cow! Like so, what a lineup. It's fascinating to me the the first Blood came out in the same year because First Blood and Rocky Three, the original scripts both had the same thing in common, which is that the main character is supposed to die at the end of the film. And I don't know if you knew that, but in Rocky Three, that was the first time where Stallone seriously considered killing off Rocky was in this no film. No way! Yeah. Oh wow! He gave an interview and as, as he was making the movie, and he said, "If I have the nerve." Rocky should probably die at the end of this film. And then of course he didn't. So, and instead he killed him off in Rocky five. Oh, uh, <laughs> Rocky five will make you wish that he'd killed him off in Rocky three. Okay. <laughs> then you're going to love this next week, December 10th. Um, the toy. Airplane, <laughs> that movie. Airplane to the sequel and a little movie that Brooke and JB and Roy and I all know called Savannah smiles. Oh, oh, love it. I love that movie so much. I, I saw one? that movie when I was a little girl, too, but I, I didn't know it was filmed in Utah. That's something I definitely learned from knowing all, all y'all, but yep. yeah. <laughs> oh, Savannah Smile. Uh, December 17th, The the Dark Crystal, Tootsie, uh, another Pink Panther film, Trail of the Pink Panther. Hmm. Uh, but But that's... That's that's, that's the year of 1982, and there's a bunch more too that I didn't. Even yeah, get you left to. off my favorite movie of the year, Six Pack, starring Kenny Rogers. Oh, no. <laughs> I watched that so kids, many times. Right, the six. Pack yeah, the kids. orphans. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I remember. I loved that movie when I was a kid. I don't. That was like that and Savannah Smiles are on the VHS rotation. Yeah, other movies oh. in the top 20 for that year: Firefox. Ooh. Um, oh, that's a great film. Best Friends? I don't know what Best Friends is. Uh, oh, The World According to Garp. I'm sorry, I skipped over The World According mm. to Garp. Anyway. Chariots of Fire and, was that year, wasn't and it? And Sophie's Choice. Um, I don't... Uh, Chariots of Fire, I think, was 81. Because it was... Um, 
because it it wasn't yeah, it in was. it wasn't yep. in the Oscar race for this year because that's right so it was the year before yeah the the big the big films at the Oscars were surprisingly not Rocky three but Gandhi <laughs> uh, Gandhi Dust Boat E T Tootsie and the Verdict those end up taking so nine, 1982 where the winner was Gandhi uh. Uh, yes best picture and best director was gandhi yeah that's right yeah gandhi and sophie's choice seemed to be like the and sophie's choice yeah got a bunch of them lou gossett jr the first black man to ever win best supporting actor oscar in iron eagle three (laughs) aka fire important for this the discussion of this film though is that there was something else from this movie that beat out Eye of the Tiger for Best Original Song. And that's a little song from an officer and a gentleman. Love lifts us up where we belong. Mm. Oh. Which could have been Rocky Four instead of freaking Glory of Love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, that anyway, 1982... That's nuts, Andy. Huge, that's crazy. Huge year. Rocky Three is a huge part of it, and in terms of making the argument that this is the best summer of summer movies ever, which is an argument I, I, I just don't think there's ever been a better summer than that you, summer. You may have had more popcorny movies, but never stacked like that. Never stacked like, like that. Stacking of those is is nuts. Well, and and what's so crazy is. The even the things that didn't pop become huge. Blade Runner and The Thing made no money, went nowhere, but are like everybody's like, those are the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. So it's like, well, I mean, how how long did people watch Man from Snowy River yeah. in Utah? I mean, that that was in the theater for like ten years. It was you know? it was Yellowstone before there was Yellowstone. <laughs> oh, yeah. PG Yellowstone. Yeah. Anyway. My favorite out of all those movies was Tootsie, and I that was oh, actually really? on my short list of movies for my birthday movie. Um, oh, it's such a good movie. Yeah, that and yeah. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Tucker and Dale versus Evil, and Stranger Ooh, Than Fiction. Those were the other ones besides the two that the, the final, you know, before the one that I finally settled on, which of course was uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. But mm-hmm. yeah, if y'all haven't seen Tootsie, that's a great movie. That's a good one. See it. So yeah. Good. Really good. Ultimately, I decided not to because it does, it's more like a dramedy, like it's a comedy, but there's a lot of other stuff that, you know, I didn't want to get angry talking about shit, but, you know, like for my birthday movie, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> of like the sexism that's brought up and, Everything else, I was like, nah, I, I want something that's more almost pure laughs, you know, not a lot of drama, too. So ultimately, that one didn't get picked. But if we could, well, and even Melissa, if we could find a way to tangentially fit it in somewhere, that would be awesome, too. Melissa, do you want to know how many times per week I ask permission at the dinner table to go to the bathroom? And then when someone says yes, I just sit there and smile. <laughs> and at least I say thank you. At least, at least 25% of the time I had dinner. No, but Melissa, thank you. To, <laughs> Melissa, to your point that you made earlier about, you know, what, what was the cultural context of 1982 and not having a lot of roles for women or forward female characters. It's like the, the big breakout thing this year is Dustin Hoffman mm-hmm. dressing up as a woman to talk about sexism. Yeah. It's and like, 
and yeah. they, that was a bold movie to make in 1982. You know, uh-huh. uh, somebody who's cross-dressing like that. I can't imagine. I'm sure there were people who protested it and thought, you know, it was evil or something. Because, shit, there's people who do that now. <laughs> you know, probably more than in 82, unfortunately. Because we yeah. seem to be regressing as a country. Um, but, yeah, it that that is a really good movie. But it, it was one of the ones that... I thought about, um, and it's funny that Dustin Hoffman was in two of the movies that I thought about. <laughs> like that wasn't intentional, but it just sort of happened that way. He was um, all over the place. He was having a having a good yeah. run himself there in the early eighties. Well, he's only well, no, the other one was Stranger Than Fiction, which is from oh, that's true. What maybe ten years ago? I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. But he he was a very supporting part in that. Kramer it? versus Kramer is a lot of laughs too. <laughs> the the funniest movie the, funnier than yeah. sophie's choice <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're up there there's an uh-huh. argument to be had, yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah it's such a great year in movies and 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 you know rocky three i feel is one of the um two two inarguable cornerstones of that summer um i feel like it's that and it's et um, because those were also the two big, big movies in terms of box office, but just really cementing what it means to make not only a like populist movie that people want to go see, but something that's artistic and just undeniably great. Um, I mean, y'all can quibble with me if you don't like E.T., but I, I still think that movie is amazing and there's me a reason too. Why it's it's just it's and still I saw it in a drive-in movie theater it, it, which somehow oh. made it more magical somehow i don't know i don't know why but yeah it's um yeah it's that that movie still gets me even to this day and of course <laughs> um being from san antonio like the little boy who plays Elliot, he's from San Antonio. So we're like, oh, that's one of ours. You know, like oh, we're. Oh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah. Henry Thomas uh, is from San Antonio. And um, in fact, his favorite movie when I was a kid was actually between E.T. and Cloak and Dagger. Did y'all ever see that movie? Oh, oh yeah. Dagger. It's set here in San Antonio. That's the river yep. walk and everything you see. Yeah. We were like, whoa, we made it. You know, <laughs> like somehow his success in being able to film a movie. With a big star like Dabney Coleman here in San Antonio, to us, we made it. You know what I mean? Did San Antonio get its its rebirth in uh, Miss Congeniality? Oh, yes. Of course. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. All right. That's like, yeah. Uh, we need we need more movies set in San Antonio. We need like a, I don't know, like a, a gritty Pee-wee's urban... Big Adventure. It would, no. But you know what would be nice? <laughs> if we had a movie set in San Antonio that had like actual like chicanos in it instead exactly. of just white people <laughs> like all the you know and, and like there's a couple of movies with scenes in san antonio but not necessarily set there but they're yeah. all white people and i'm like what the fuck white people are the minority here okay <laughs> like they are actually the minority in san antonio like it's, i think something like 65 percent is some yeah. kind of hispanic here and yet they still run everything and they still are in all our damn movies. So, you know, if, uh, it, it, no offense, I know you're all are white and I love you anyway. I forgive you for that. Um, but, um, yeah, it would be nice if we had some of our own people, you know, but, but let's be clear. Most of the white people who live in San Antonio on the North side are the chip Roy's and Joe Strauss's of the world. Yeah. So if you don't know who those people are, Google it quickly. 
they're terrible. Former Speaker of the House of uh, for the Utah State or the Texas State Legislature, Texas. and and Chip Roy, one of the uh, insurrectionist leaders who um, was leading the fight against um, having a Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, recently. I know um, you say Chip Roy's from North Texas. North Texas is a different breed than South Texas. No, no, no. North San Antonio. Oh. He, like, Chip Roy, because yeah. I, I, I was almost in that gerrymandered district. Is where, Chip Roy the, the eye patch guy? No, no that's Dan is, Crenshaw. He's from okay. Houston area, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yep, he's from Houston. Um, Chip Roy's district takes in that the white suburbs of uh, of San Antonio, and then west of I thirty five, all the way up to the west suburbs of Austin. So it's a gerrymandered district to get all the rich people and enough white rural voters to make it a safe Republican district out of two out of an area that is essentially a purple area um, in between San Antonio. They even have purple rain, Roy. That's how, yeah. good, that's how purple it is. Never seen that movie. Anyway. <laughs> oh, you gotta, you gotta watch that. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, uh, a rant over about um, Texas politics. And yeah, Texas that's and a deep rabbit hole. <laughs> that's a, that's the hole. next trilogy we cover. Oh, it, oh my gosh. <laughs> is it time for studio notes? Because uh yeah let's let well so i didn't i didn't give the actual box office oh, i'm sorry uh, which i will no 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 i will that's that's my fault we okay. got talking about all the other fun stuff. uh this movie made 125 million at the domestic box office which adjusted for inflation is 389.6 million it only made four thousand dollars worldwide overseas <laughs> oh wow just nobody only the United States got this movie. What was the budget? Uh, like, budget wasn't it like ten? I we went from one million to seven million to what was this one? I didn't. I couldn't find a budget number. Up, it see. wasn't yeah, on. I felt like, uh, like it was ten. I thought. Yeah, the numbers.com didn't have the budget for this. Seventeen million. Seventeen. Ooh, that's harder. That's okay. higher than I remember. Okay. But still, that's a huge multiplier for if you're you know seventeen to one twenty-five. Yeah. They're still they're still doing great, and yep. then the amount of uh, you know uh, VHS sales they then get after we studio notes. No, Polly. All okay. Well, I'll start. Oh, God, yes. Get rid they, of Polly. We need to get a cut of this film where they include the steamy Adrian goes to Clubber Lane's apartment scene, and she's introduced to a real man. And then That's he on throws... the Patreon, dude. <laughs> yeah, and then he throws a turkey out and out. <laughs> that makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> the thought of Adrian sneaking off. I think it's called the Beastmaster. <laughs> Released later on. Anyway, no Polly. No Polly. Get, get him yeah. out of here. Um, more crotch shots. Uh, an, more. Actual, an actual EMT who shows up within the 25-minute window. Yeah, you know that's that's a serious one. Like you can actually like write the dialogue that like makes this make sense. That, yeah, you like, don't have to throw in the stuff that is so obviously incorrect. Like starting CPR right now. No, you're not, you idiot. Why you got to throw that in there? Yeah, yeah, it's just poorly done. Yeah, they're probably betting on people being stupid and not figuring that out. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're like, oh, CPR must be serious because <laughs> CPR is when it's serious. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, Brooke, Melissa, any other studio notes? I, as usual, I discuss most of them during the the, the meat of the podcast. Um, I wanted to see more of the journey, the emotional journey for that Apollo Creed took from being defeated and downtrodden to, you know becoming friends with Rocky. It's one thing for him to, uh, you know, be in a business arrangement with him. Like, I'm going to train you because, you know, your your manager's dead and somebody's got to train you because he knew he could do something with that. You know, he's a smart man business-wise. You could tell from the first movie, you know, but um, to actually being able to be friends with this man, um, that's a lot of emotional work right there. And I would have liked to have seen some of it. I would have liked to have seen Mrs. Creed at some point. Yeah. Um, and um, then, yeah, kill Polly. <laughs> like, yeah. If you're going to kill a main character off, let it be Polly. Because really, what does he add to this? Is, well, I think he just proves that Rocky doesn't give up on anyone. I think that's the whole point of Polly, mm-hmm. right? The yeah, Rocky refuses to, to give up on Polly people. Look good. But but so I I mean I think maybe Rocky Four, if Polly had taken on the exhibition match with Drago and gotten killed, I think we all could have gotten on board with that. Yeah. I think that would have been fine. Yeah. Give Apollo the robot, let Polly get killed by Drago. Yeah. Yeah. That that's well studio note for Rocky Four. I don't mind that I don't mind that Polly's in it. Like I said, like I hate Polly. But I think he adds this level of conflict and like restoring or maintaining their humanity in this way, like this tie to their roots in a way that like we're supposed to hate him, kind of like Clover Lane. So I don't, I, I wish there were a bit less of him, but I appreciate what he's trying to show us. I I wanted to see more of Adrian's arc and um. I think she has definitely earned where she's at. I wish we would have seen it. Yeah. More Adrienne, more Mrs. Creed. That's Yeah, more Marianne. Marianne at all. Yeah, Marianne at all. Maybe a short scene where we see Frank Stallone's home life when he's not singing at the gym. Pushing. <laughs> Maybe recording, him, getting him, ready for the recording. Him in his uh, closet trying to choose his wardrobe. I think I could handle a scene with Frank Stallone picking out his clothes. Um, the other studio note that I was going to say is while I do appreciate the simplicity of it, the one and two, like some of the magic of them is that they aren't boxing video movies. Hmm. And we, we get these, at least to me, we get these very and like human experience movies, right? Where we get to see their humanity in these trials and these different things. And while the themes of this movie are great. Um, seeing some of them play out a little bit more instead of just having a few one-liners about those themes would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. It, yeah. So, I mean, it didn't have to be just a 90-minute movie, right? Right. I, so anyway. It could be a, a seven-part Netflix series. <laughs> Which, by the way, I keep hearing the the rumor that that Stallone's trying to do the Rocky prequel as a a, a series on one of the streaming services. Wouldn't surprise me. You I mean, that, that's probably why he's doing Tulsa. It's just the Lords of Flatbush. Let's oh, just no. Nice. 
but, but speaking of which, have y'all seen that new show of his called Tulsa King? Is it yeah. good? It's really good. I was oh. impressed with how good it was. Um, yeah, they just ended the first season, and uh, yeah, I've um, I was impressed. It's the first time he's ever done it, like a series regular TV show, uh-huh. and um, you know it. Yeah, he he was really good in it. The whole show is pretty good. It's from the same guy who does Yellowstone and all the yeah. Yellowstone stuff, which yep. I really like as well. So, um, yeah, I, I watched it more, not so much for him, but Dana Delaney is in it. I've had a crush on her for a long time, so I wanted to oh, watch Northern it. Exposure, right? She's, yeah, no, she's great. She's not. Oh, she was oh, not no. Exposure. She was what in was China the, Beach. China Beach, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh, that was a show. great fucking show right yeah. there. Um, but yeah, ever since then, I've, I'll, I'll watch anything she's in, even if it's not good. Cause even if it's not good, she's always good in it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I would recommend Tulsa King if you have not seen mm, it. It's nice. very, very different from the Rocky movies. And, um, very different. I, I also wanted to say somebody brought something up that reminded me of this, but I remember while I was watching this, um, earlier this week that in some ways this series reminds me a little bit of Friday Night Lights, uh, the TV show. Because And that's a Ooh, big compliment because mm-hmm. Friday Night Lights is one of my favorite shows of all time. I can watch that anywhere, whenever, however many times. Um, the reason is because in Friday Night Lights, if you're not familiar, it's about a football team in small town, Texas. Um, and, and what a big, big deal high school football is there. But the football is almost beside the point in that show. Um, there, there's football action in every single episode, of course. But the reason the football is there is because that's what ties these characters together and, and creates the conflict and, and everything else. And uh, in that way, boxing is like in the background. It's, you know, it's more about... Uh, seeing how these characters are seeing their growth or seeing how they regress in some cases, it's about the relationships more than it is about the boxing, I think, and more about the montages, the training montages than the actual boxing. Um, (laughs) But so in that way, it's, it reminds me a little bit, I think it's more about boxing than Friday night lights, Friday night lights is about uh, football, but uh, you know, it's, like, especially in the first one, whether he won or not was beside the point. He went there. He went all 15 rounds. You know what I'm saying? Like, that we discussed that. Um, it was more about what happened in the lead up to the boxing match. And so it that's how it reminds me of that show a little. Okay. Yeah. So, Melissa, I've never seen Friday Night Lights <gasps> or The Wire. So, my I, question. I haven't seen either. My question is, do I watch the season of The Wire with baby Michael B. Jordan and the seasons of Friday Night Lights with baby Michael B. Jordan before we get to the Creed movies. The Wire, I will. The Wire is really, really good. I've yeah. never seen The Wire, so I uh-huh. don't, I can't say. It's on my list, you know? The list yeah. I feel like I'll never get to. Same. Um, Both but, of those shows are on my list. Yeah. yeah. Um, Can I throw a movie on your list? Of course. Okay, because it, it, every now and then we get to a point in Stallone's career where he's become a kind of a joke, like a parody of himself, <laughs> and then he throws out a movie like Copland. Copland. So if you haven't seen Copland. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is a good movie. Yep. I think Tulsa uh, King is his, his more recent Copland in a way. Yeah, Tulsa King it seems is... like a pretty similar character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he's like, he, he's like, oh, it's Taylor Sheridan. I'm going to get him to write me some like 
good drama. Everybody it, wants to work with him. I mean, fucking, they got fucking Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford for the latest Yellowstone prequel. I mean, what a get. You know what yeah, I mean? Yep. She's amazing in it, by the way. Yeah. She's really Wasn't, good. wasn't Stallone in Ants? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, there's he your side movie. Don't, don't make us think about ants please <laughs> and oh so so melissa yes friday night lights it, it I, that's, it's a good I've show i've never seen the wire i would say yes um he's not he's only in the last couple of seasons he's not in um the first yeah. two seasons you know yeah um but but he's so good in it you really want to root for him and uh yeah i would i would say because but that show it will take you you'll need hanky a hanky once in a while not every episode but once in a while but they earn that shit unlike yeah like certain shows like Grey's Anatomy that make you want to cry every time and they they didn't earn that you know um yeah you want character development you want a good story i would say friday night lights yes okay I'll, I'll i'll watch it before we get to before we get to creed i'll Yay. i'll binge those real quick so thank you mm-hmm. yeah uh Awesome. Best one-liners or quotes? Oh, well, it's got to be uh, uh, my, predic- my prediction pain, right? That's yeah. so pain. good. Oh, yeah. the ultimate male versus the ultimate The ultimate meatball. meatball. <laughs> that, that's a class. I mean, the, the serious ones are like, I love the see that look in their eyes, Rock. You got to get their look that look back. I mean, there are some of the serious lines like Adrian's speech and some of the things Apollo says, but yeah, pain yeah. or... Um, you want to see a real? There is no tomorrow. Yeah, see, that's a great line. Uh, In the flesh, baby. His blood pressure is 180 over 50. That's a great line. (laughs) (laughs) How much do you think he eats? About 202 pounds. (laughs) And in the right corner, Rocky Balboa weighing in at 202 pounds. Yeah, that's really good. Um, One of the lines, I mean, there's several lines for me that, that was part of what I was trying to say with the studio notes of, like there's themes that they kind of touch on with these one liners of there is no tomorrow. Um, don't let this chump make you fight his fight. I think it's a really important theme that they just touch on in that moment. Um, he's a just good a life man. lesson too. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean by the, the life themes of it. Um, he's just a man, be more man than him. Um, what was the other one? Oh, then you lose, but at least you lose with no excuses, no fear. Yeah. And I know I can live with that. Yeah, or I know one. you can live with that. Those were. Oh, that's and <laughs> nobody else does as much for charity. Bob Hope would. That's true. <laughs> Rocky, that's you nice. better call Bob Hope. <laughs> that was that was mine. Uh, yeah. Uh, Adrian's whole speech, but the Bob Hope line. Like, that's a really funny joke. Like, hats off. <laughs> like, I don't normally think of Stallone as a great screenwriter. That's a great joke. The, there were uh, a lot of good uh, jokes on this one. Busted yeah. for trespassing in 30 days in the cooler. That one's pretty good too about what happened to Goldilocks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's real nice, Polly. <laughs> There's some good stuff in there. Okay. Uh, best side character. So I want to give it to the many iterations of Frank the Tank. <laughs> but I mean, it's got to be Thunderlips, right? Oh, yeah. Hulk Hogan so just is incredible in this film, yeah. Other He's than the... Carl Weathers' shoulders, <laughs> Carl Weathers' shoulders. Uh, to that point, uh, returning great character Duke. Duke um, is great. 
I really like I, the heart running on the beach. So Duke's are, best movies coming up next week. So who yeah. are your main characters? Because if Creed's a side character, he's the best character. But I think he's a main character. He's a main character. Rocky, Creed, and Adrian. And Adrian and Mickey are main characters. Yeah. So then, yeah, it's it's the 1985 tag team champions, Mr. <laughs> T and, and Thunderlifts Hulk Hogan are your two best side characters. Oh, man. Running on the beach. Yeah, running. Just the mm. beach in general. This is the best, the best side character. <laughs> Thank you, beach. Uh, yes. Uh, Melissa, do you have a favorite side character? I was good. I didn't remember his name, but Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. Because sure, he did seem psycho, but he was just playing the game. And it reminded me a little bit of um, Apollo in the first movie, how he, you know, when he said the few scenes we had with him, one of them, he was sitting down and talking about the, you know, the business and, and why this was a good idea and why, you know, when they were debating or whatever, he, he seemed like he really understood the business. And so in that same way, Hulk did as well. And yeah. uh, he put on a show for them because he's, you know, he's a showman. He knows what to do. Whereas Rocky, despite all the commercials and advertisements and everything else, still didn't quite get it. It seems like, you know, yeah. yeah. So and Rocky gets a rude awakening to how fake wrestling is, right? So I, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen the documentary Beyond the Mat. Great. But wrestling yeah, is yeah. scripted, but it is full contact. Yep. Yeah, you throw and, you throw Mick Foley off of a twenty-two foot steel cage. Doesn't matter how fake it is. Yeah, you know, nope. yeah. Gravity is still body. gravity. Yeah. No. So like, there's a scene in uh, Beyond the Matter where after one of the WrestleManias is over, or whatever, it's backstage and like half of them are getting stitched up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So like that, any blood you see in a wrestling match is real blood. So Goldust's yeah. son, uh, by the, I can't remember his name, um, came out and his pec was torn. And he did a, he did a whole entire match. His whole right arm and and chest were just purple because oh. he had torn the wrestler back that and he just played and he just wrestled through it. Who was the wrestler that died when we were young? Uh, they've all died, unfortunately. <laughs> in in the rink. Oh, um, Owen Hart. Oh, that's right. Off the zip line. <laughs> I yeah. know they've all died, JB. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, all of my. <laughs> Of a man, yeah. the ultimate warrior, just yeah. a few years ago, Randy Savage. Yeah, I remember I was watching that that match live when it ha- like when he died. Yeah, the, the cable was in my aunt's. Yeah, yeah, I was in my aunt's basement with all my cousins, and I was like, "What just happened?" Yeah, <laughs> just like the that was, was that one of the Hart Foundation brothers? I, I think it was a solo match because he, oh. he ziplined in his his shtick was to come in. You know, like on a zip line, and his, oh. the, it snapped about twenty five feet up. Ah, oh, jeez. There's so much tragedy in this sport, and yet people keep gravitating towards. I remember when I was a little girl, I was into it, and we'd go. My grandpa and I would go to wrestling matches, and there was this um, family called the Von Erics. Oh yeah. Oh, you want tragedy? Oh my yeah. god. Read up about them, Jesus. Like, like why a- would anybody want to be a wrestler after all of that? And all the stuff about, you know, the concussions and everything. It just, you know, they, they're, they're worse than the NFL in handling injuries. They, they don't care, you know, yeah. it's terrible. Well, and all of them are independent contractors. So they get yes. paid, they get paid, but they don't have insurance. They don't have, they're not technically employees. So mm-hmm. the, the league is not liable for anything. And it's a, uh, yeah, it's a really, 
extractive business. Mm-hmm. It's uh, really, really tough. All those, all those people putting their bodies on the line. Although I, I'm going to go ahead and say that maybe the greatest, but at least in the top three moments in sporting history, has got to be Hulk Hogan body slamming Andre the, the Giant. Yep. Yeah. That, that was at the time the biggest uh, indoor event. What did they put, like 90,000 people in the Silver Dome? Yeah. And he pressed so. him and like 90,000 people just went absolutely apeshit and like just ran around this, this stadium. It was a, a noise unlike you'd ever hear. Was that WrestleMania 3? WrestleMania 3. Yep. Because yeah. they did the whole, it's it's like you said, they did the whole setup of, oh, Hogan's back is out. He can't pick him up, right? So it's for 10 minutes, he he's faking not being able to pick up Andre the Giant and body slam him. And then, you know, right at the end, the crowd pumps him up. And he hulks up and he body slams him. <laughs> and like every six to 35 year old um, person, yeah, that's great. Right. And the rest this, of us are like, oh, he jumped into him. <laughs> <laughs> this discussion about wrestling uh, brought to you by uh, Roy's podcast, Yours, Mine, and Theirs. Go to their Facebook group right now, vote in their poll if you want to make them watch movies about wrestlers. There you go. I would be interested in throwing the Andre the Giant uh, documentary into that mix, but it's probably not going to happen. It was uh, so yeah. good, though. There yeah, is a yeah. Sylvester Stallone wrestling movie that Oscar. happened right before Rocky Three. Oscar? <laughs> Paradise Alley. Paradise Alley. So good. Yeah. Lords of Flatbush, go wrestling. So, Which became, uh, wasn't that what Hulk Hogan's horrible like FX movies became? Wasn't that Paradise Alley? Or that Thunder Alley? Thunder Alley, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Best song. Here we go. The Glory of Love. I'm with Kit. Pushing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, me too. So Kit, Kit loves pushing, then we're all on the same page. Yep. <laughs> no, it's Eye of the Tiger. No, it was, another one, it was another one bites the dust, unfortunately. <laughs> another one bites the dust. Oh, I yeah. I don't think I mentioned um, Eye of the Tiger uh, was was the number two song overall for 1982, losing out to Physical by Olivia <laughs> oh, What a song. Um, but, but held a record for uh, most, uh, most days at number one uh, and would hold that record for uh, the early 80s, except uh, for another one. By can, we, can we just talk about how much greater and more incredible the beach scene would have been had physical been the song instead of <laughs> I, I want to get physical oh. it would have just become porn <laughs> there's no <laughs> way around it that, that, so that would be so homoerotic <laughs> all of a sudden they just have like wristbands on during their run <laughs> Let me hear your body talk. I apologize for missing my studio note that was my studio <laughs> <laughs> Totally missed no way out around that. that. Or Strut by Sheena Easton. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> so very good. Yeah. Eye of the Tiger. And uh, credit to Stallone for um, uh, laying that into the script and, and giving Survivor that as a uh, a prompt, a writing prompt for there. Oh, I um, forgot my kink note. Ooh. Oh, go back. Go for it. A uh, kink note. We're taking the time for a kink notes. Well, Favorite kink just, note. The one liner when Rocky's getting his uh his statue and he says, This city really took me inside. <laughs> <laughs> I think Un- they showed us more than they meant to. <laughs> Unintentionally good kink by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> so I'll say 
like that statue was a prop for this movie, but Stallone's like, hey, Museum of Art, you want this? And like, nope. <laughs> and then so he was going to take it back to California, but I guess like some girl in Philly gathered like a hundred thousand signatures or maybe just 20,000 signatures, but to have it remain in Philly. So they then put it in front of the spectrum for a bunch of years. And then uh, I think they briefly moved it back out to the Museum of Art for one of the other movies. Um, and now I don't have I don't know if you guys have been to Philly recently. It's it's at the Museum of Art, but it's kind of off to the side below the steps. Mm-hmm. But yeah. anyway, there's a great moment in uh, Rocky Balboa where I think uh, Polly alludes to it is like, are you still mad that they moved your statue? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Prue and I got had an unintentional layover in Philly when we were on our way back from Puerto Rico last year. And we, I mean, our flight landed at nine. So everything was shut. So we just ordered an Uber with like 12 stops and had him drive us around the city. So I got to drive by it. Oh, so I, I got to say that I've been to the steps a number of times and I've never been to the steps where someone wasn't running up the steps all the time. Yeah. No matter. Well, it was midnight and there was no one running up them. Oh, I've even seen <laughs> if it I had been able to get him to stop, I would have done it. There you go. <laughs> it was you that was running up the steps. That's in my mind. <laughs> Okay, the big question. Is this a good movie? It is. Yes. It is. A very fun movie. It is, is currently the... my favorite of the three until next week. <laughs> and and is... one day. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. And one day. I was just going to say one day when I do go to Philly, I will run up those steps and I will be singing Let's Get Physical instead. <laughs> <laughs> and you damn well better pod, you know, video cast that for so I want a live stream so we can all send stars or whatever we do on that. <laughs> TikTok, baby. Oh, wait, not TikTok because we, we, we discussed We're too that. old. Anyway, uh, is the main Unless character... TikTok wants to sponsor us, I apologize. If TikTok yeah. would like to sponsor us, I'm not too old. Yes, uh, bite dance. <laughs> Uh, Chinese government, please. Give us <laughs> going uh, straight for the top. <laughs> let me warn y'all: if you're going to Philly, the streets are narrow as fuck, and the people yeah. are mean. City of Brotherly Love, my ass. I'm oh yeah, seriously, they are mean. Only if you, it's only Brotherly Love if you have AIDS. You have to be wearing an Eagles jersey, and then they love you. Fuck That's the it. Eagles! I will never <laughs> see. There's the problem. You just have a Dallas. Well, it's Cowboys not like girl. I went with my Dallas Cowboys on. <laughs> I don't have a death wish. I mean, they can. They can tell. You just gotta watch. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Then you'll be like, "That's not the kind of brother I want." No, <laughs> but like but they, Andy, I, I would say that the main character Frank Stallone is a good person. <laughs> I would say that the Philadelphia Eagles are the heels of the talk about the brotherly NFL. love. Does, does Sylvester love his brother or what? He's in the movie fourteen times. That's yeah, brotherly he does. Love. Yep, that's brotherly love. Yep. No, but Rocky Rocky's a good person, and he's getting better. Yeah, he can read mostly. Yeah, I mean, he knows the he knows about Goldilocks. This is maybe yeah, <laughs> really good. And should we show this to children? Heck yeah. Not, not without them also seeing the the other two. Uh, yeah, I'm, although, yeah, you just have to. My kid, my kid has not been able to watch the other two with me yet. Oh, and so so I think Rocky Three is probably a, the much more digestible film by a kid, right? And they don't oh, even yeah. need to understand like any of the deeper stuff, like because it's a shorter movie. There's got a lot of action in it. You Do can't you, start I, there. 
I rem I I remember starting at Rocky three. Actually, no, Roy. Did I start at four or three? Um, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> I told you. I've I've always been biased to three or four as as the the more enjoyable ones. But um, no, I mean I've watched all the movies with all my kids, and I'm I'm sure that most of them would rather watch three and four than one and two. Everybody so, wants yeah. to watch Mr. T and Hulk Hogan, though. That's yeah. That's a tough sell. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Next week, though. We have Ivan Drago. And okay, so so our, which Rocky one do we want, do you want us to watch? Choose your own adventure. You okay. can you can watch either one. I if think you've never seen either, which sounds impossible to me, but if you've never seen either, probably watch the theatrical version. Exactly. Which yeah. is the one I don't I think I've ever seen. That's the one I'm watching. Yeah, Netflix That's is the, the original. Theatrical. Yeah, I don't That's think I've a, ever seen the director's cut. You can see it on Prime. Oh, it's okay. really interesting what they add. I don't feel like, like I want and what to. they take away. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Wait, is it on Amazon Prime? Like, if you're a Prime member, it's free, or do I have to pay for it? That's a good question. I don't know. I thought I, I have to pay for it. Roy paid for it. Roy definitely paid for it. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, so I, I bought it. Um, it was like I don't know. It was it wasn't it was on sale or whatever. Or, I'm looking I don't know. right now, Melissa. Yeah. Okay, was, yeah, I was about to look myself. I'm like, hmm. oh, it's three ninety nine. What to buy or to rent? To rent. Rent. To yeah. rent. That's what this says. That's pretty standard for Prime for renting movies if you're doing it in HD. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Don't don't yeah. don't do that. Just so, watch the theatrical. Watch it on just Netflix. Watch the Netflix yeah. one. Just watch the <laughs> Netflix one. I, yeah. If you want to watch the director's cut, it's extra homework. Cool. I'm gonna definitely watch both movies. But I bet I could find some place um, like on YouTube or something that shows the extra scenes or something. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Or what the then? Out. Yeah. Oh, they took shit out too. Indeed, yeah. yeah. There's no uh, in in the director's cut. You don't get to see the robot that I guarantee you, Polly had sex with. Happy birthday, <laughs> Polly. There's way less Brigitte in the director's cut, which is unfortunate. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, and also I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get my my friend Jared, uh, who might be listening to this. Uh, hey, Elder Bloom, how you doing? Uh, and see if we can talk about the time he and I went around Volgograd looking for a copy of Rocky Four on oh, VHS awesome. in Russian, and That's that awesome. no one had ever heard of the movie. Uh, so yeah, I need to. <laughs> like, what? Were you confused? Like, but this is the movie that that tore down the Iron Curtain. What are you talking yeah, about? Exactly. We were just like, well, we went, we went, we were looking for Red Dawn and Rocky Four, and they'd never <laughs> heard of either of them. Wow. It's like, Obviously, so, the communists suppressed these. these JB, did you, did you just say Dolph Swedish, right? Dolph Lundgren is Swedish. Yeah, I, th- I think he's he's Nordic. I thought it was Swedish. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Six we get foot five of Swedish chocolate magic, whatever, <laughs> something. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's that's next week. Rocky Four. Uh, it must break you. Um, until then. Um, uh, go run on the beach with with your with your Italian meatball buddies. <laughs> yeah. no, I don't know what is that. I don't know. I started one place wow. and switched into like five different thoughts. Oh there you go. Okay, bye everybody. Thank you. That will be all. God damn it. That's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye.
mm-hmm. you know, there's a mix there. Um, but okay, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. I, I hate most of them. I roll my eyes at them. But giving up your DNA to a company with all that legalese, you know, all that fine print that yeah. I don't understand, it's very sketchy to me. And I, again, <laughs> I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'm just going to keep my my spit in my mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just not yeah. going to do it because it just, you know, I, ugh, you know, the definitely. Topic. Definitely don't do it if you think that being a serial killer is part of your future. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got me there, Roy. That's exactly what I was going to do. Well, dang it. Now that career opportunity is gone for me. I know. Now those CSI <sighs> people are going to catch me right away. Damn. I love hearing those stories, though. Like I, who, the, the Golden State Killer, was that the guy's name where they found him because like enough of his family members had done the DNA ancestry? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's the thing. Like, what else are they using that DNA for? Like, I don't know. But I, I to create you know, puma the babies. Worst, the worst crime right. ever committed. I once got a traffic ticket because um, I was like, I had been laid off my job, and I was dead broke, and I did not um, renew my sticker. You know, the inspection sticker for my car in time because I was. Oh broke. yeah. And they caught me on my way back, two blocks from my house, on the way back home from an interview to hopefully get a job so I could get my sticker so and that cost me 250 dollars, and that's the only time i've ever been in trouble with the law so i'm not worried about law enforcement but i just don't like the idea of nameless faces people taking my dna like that unless it's for like a medical purpose like i have to you know they have to draw my blood for a test or something but i don't know you might want to steer clear of TikTok as well, as far as like giving oh, up privacy. I don't yeah. have a TikTok account. I'm too old for that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm too old. Um, yeah, no. Uh, my nephew sends me TikToks sometimes, um, but yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't pay. But yeah, don't don't get the app. Don't sign up. Okay, really quickly. Um... This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.